0: Well, I'm happy to be sharing with you today for Church Online. Um, Our current season threw a few wrenches in the plans. So I know many of you were expecting and we announced that Pastor Bill was speaking this week. But unfortunately, he can't do it. And at this point, I am actually in my house. So I'm bringing you this message from my house for Church Online this week. So why don't you take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter three. We're going to start in verse one and I just want to read the first few verses of this chapter. It says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Now, this is one of my favorite uh, stories in all of Scripture, and I've preached from it several times. But... If you've been following, you'll know that currently our church is in a series on Nehemiah, so this might seem a little out of place. So why on earth are we suddenly jumping a few dozen books ahead and a few hundred years to this particular section of Scripture? So listen, before we get back to this, let's jump back a little bit to Nehemiah chapter 3. So uh, we're going to start in verse 1. It said, Then Eliashib the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachar, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. They laid the beams and set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside them were Meshulam, son of Barakai, and grandson of Meshezebel, and then Zadok, son of Banna. Next were the people from Tekoa, through, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired by Joiada son of Pesiah and Meshulam, son of Besodea. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Melatia from Gibeon, Jadon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, son of Herr Haya, a goldsmith by trade who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They, they left. So let's just pa- pause for a moment here. And, um, and I want to ask you a few quick questions. First one, um, and I'm only looking for honest responses, keep in mind. So how many of you would say that during this section from Nehemiah, you you may have tuned out a little bit? Your mind wandered, you kind of got a little tired, maybe a little bit bored, just in these first eight verses. Uh, how many of you would prefer that we're looking at a slightly more exciting section of the Bible today? And if you were really honest, you might say that this is that kind of uh, tedious Bible reading that if you were just reading your Bible at home, you'd probably go like, okay, let's just we'll move on to chapter four I You might kind of skip it or just glaze over it quickly. (laughs) So if I'm going to be honest, I've asked you to be honest. If I'm going to be honest, this is not easy reading at all. There are difficult names to pronounce. There are family relationships I probably don't care about. There are gates and walls mentioned that I don't have knowledge of or reference point to unless I start opening up books with maps of old Jerusalem. And while I'm happy that the walls are getting rebuilt, I, and I really am, but I'd just like to skip ahead to the part when the building's done and something maybe a little more interesting is happening. Now, is there anyone uh, that maybe identifies with my perspective on a section like this? That it wasn't an easy read. We didn't even finish the chapter. But now I want you to consider this. If our natural reaction to simply reading a section of scripture like this is to be bored and uh, kind of annoyed and like, let's move on, let's get on with it. Oh man, how would you have felt? How would I have felt or reacted if I was actually put into this chapter and I was responsible for stacking rocks on each other to rebuild these walls, hammering bolts To rebuild gates. How would I have done with that? How would you have done with it? So let's take a look at a few things that we learn. And we can take away from this chapter. On this whole topic of building. First thing is this. We are called to be builders regardless of our skills, profession, calling, or gifting. I'll say that one more time. We are called to be builders regardless of our skills, profession, calling, or gifting. So look at some of the people just listed here in the first eight verses who ended up building this wall. Were they qualified? Were they journeymen, wall builders? Did they have their ticket? No. <laughs> Just in these verses, we find that there's priests building the wall. There's perfume makers building the wall. We find that there's uh, goldsmiths building the wall. Now, it'd be easy to look at a job description and go, no, this isn't, this isn't in my job description. No, this isn't really who I feel called to be. Um, you know, I respect what you're doing, but I don't know if this is really God's big call or dream for my life. Likely not for any of the people mentioned here, but all of them would have been called to be builders. When Jesus walked the earth, he called 12 men to follow him. And in the three years that he spent time with them, he invested into them. He corrected them. He built them to be strong and powerful men of God, of Simon, Simon Peter specifically, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. Now, we know that a church isn't about brick and mortar. A church is about people. So we are called to be builders, not of walls or gates, but of people. The call that was on those early disciples is the same Call that's on us and the work that Jesus was doing in them, preparing them to be strong and mighty men of God, is the same work that He's doing in us every single day. He calls us regardless of our profession or skills or gifting or talents or anything. To be people that invest in the lives of those around us. So a few questions for you. How are you investing and building into the lives of your family, your friends, co-workers, and other acquaintances in your life? Do those people look more like Jesus after they've been around you? Do you call the best out in them? Do you call them to more? Are you building in the lives of people around you? It's our call is to be builders. Next thing I want you to take away from this is it's much easier to tear down than it is to build up. Far easier to tear down than to build up. So Pastor Bill has talked about this in previous messages already, but uh, he's looked at all of the opposition that Nehemiah faced in rebuilding the walls and gates in Jerusalem. There's uh, voices of dissent and criticism and skepticism and just full-out discouraging, destructive voices like that of, of Sanballat, who you see throughout the book of Nehemiah coming to disrupt and destroy both the work, but also who Nehemiah was. He he had a mission to tear it down, and he would do anything to do that. So listen, we all know this stuff. This isn't new. Complaining is easy. Being critical is easy. Deconstruction and destruction are both very, very easy. It's easier to swing a wrecking ball than it is to manufacture one. Um, I think for everyone, we'd be more comfortable swinging a sledgehammer than we would be crafting a sledgehammer. I wouldn't know how to do it. I'd have no clue where to start. But we're not called to be the ones that tear others down. Now, uh, our culture right now has a great bent towards tearing things down. But when we choose to use our words and our position as an outlet for destruction, what we end up doing is aligning ourselves more with the devil. That's his nature is to steal, kill, and destroy. Then we align actually with Jesus. If you're tearing and destroying you are aligning yourself with the enemy, not with Jesus. And we know from verses like Proverbs eighteen twenty-one that say the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So just think back on this last week, just last seven days. How have you used your words, your attitude, and your actions? Have you been building people up? Or have you been tearing people down? Um, Are there some people that you might need to go to just from this last week and ask some forgiveness because of harsh ways that you've treated them? And my goodness, can I just implore you, Be kind to people in the service industry, industry especially in these days. It's not an easy time. Use your words to build up, not tear down. Next thing I want you to notice from this section is this. Building can be long, hard, and unglamorous work. If we jump ahead to chapter 6 of Nehemiah, verse 15, we find out that it took 52 days to complete the rebuilding of the walls and gates of Jerusalem. So we live right now in this microwave culture where our attention spans are about 30 seconds long, and if things don't come quickly and easily, we're out. But when it comes to building... There's a tendency for it to take time and hard work, and it's not a very glamorous process in most settings. Uh, if, if you were to jump back, I don't think around day 39 there would have been people uh, uh, building the wall, taking selfies going, hey, day 39, let's go. It wasn't the kind of stuff that you'd make a big post about. They're just building these walls day after day. And building a wall is one thing, but building people is something completely different. Now, I don't know if you've ever talked to a parent who started potty training their kids. But it can be one of the funniest things to listen to their experience. They start battling and they have these periods of great growth and they're like, "Yes, they're getting it. they can do it." And the next thing you hear is a story of the most gigantic mess humanity has ever seen. <laughs> and this is a, this is this picture of us of, of how it is and what it's like building with people you have these periods of growth and they're unlocking potential and then it's followed by massive disappointment and frustration and mess and chaos but the fact that those things happen don't make it any less valuable it's just the reality of our human experience we we'd all like to be Uh, more put together, more healthy, more wealthy, more polished, more. But the process of getting there is usually this arduous, long, hard, and unglamorous work in the trenches of life to see it happen. So listen, um, at the start of this message, I read a section out of Acts chapter 3 where this beggar uh, is healed at the beautiful gate. Now, this happened roughly uh, 450 or so years after Nehemiah had done the work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now, listen, while The gate beautiful in that story isn't specifically mentioned in Nehemiah. The reality is this. The things you choose to build can become a foundation for the generations that come after you. (laughs) Now, Nehemiah wouldn't even have been aware of this at the time of rebuilding, but He was preparing a place for that crippled beggar 450 years later to receive a miracle. This cripple is found walking, leaping, and praising God because Nehemiah decided to commit to the hard work of rebuilding the walls and gates of Jerusalem hundreds of years and generations earlier. Isn't that an amazing reality for us? So the question is, what are the hard and unglamorous things that God is asking you to do in these days to prepare for a future miracle? Are there things that God is reminding you of right here today that you've walked away from that he said, hey, I called you to be faithful and disciplined in that? And today he's calling you back to those things that you need to return to. Now, when we're in the middle of building, it's easy to get tired and worn out and to wonder what it's all for and if it will even be worth it in the end. But I'm so encouraged when you look at the long lens of Scripture and you see the realities of what Nehemiah was actually doing, and what he was preparing by rebuilding the walls. We need to be faithful in what God has called us to do, even if it's mundane or simple or even boring. Faithfulness in the little things always is rewarded. Galatians 6 verse 9, it says, "...so let us not get tired of doing what is good." At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. When you're in the middle of building, don't quit doing good. Don't stop. Don't quit. And on the other side of those little steps of obedience are blessing and miracles that God is just waiting to unleash. Oh, but hear this. Not just on your life, but on the life of generations to come. Our faithfulness is producing miracles on the other side. So listen, as C3 Church, we've been very blessed by the physical building that we gather in. It's been built and maintained by faithful men and women of God. They've served, they've built, they've invested, and they've given. And that's to make a place for people to experience the life-transforming power of Jesus. Now, even if you're watching us online today, there's people, both at our church, but people who just made the Internet, and all of a sudden the gospel is being preached to places where it was never preached before because there was some faithful people who did some very boring stuff behind the scenes so that this, what we're experiencing today, can happen for you. So listen, can I challenge you today to take up the call of Nehemiah, to be a builder? Yes, it might be unglamorous and hard, and it might take longer than you want it to, But on the other side, we see the miraculous, we see the faithfulness, and we see the blessing of God poured out on generations. Can you commit to that today? Let me pray for you. So God, I thank you for everyone that's joined us today. God, I thank you that that call to be a builder has not changed in thousands of years. God, you're still calling us out, not to tear down or destroy, but to build great things. So, Father, I'm praying that we would have soft hearts to you, that right now, if there's areas where we've walked away from building, we've walked away from the little and the mundane tasks that you've called us to, that, God, you would call us back this morning. And, Father, too, for those who have maybe started to grow weary in doing good, Father, I pray that you would re-strengthen them. That, God, you'd pour out everything they need for the season ahead. Father, we thank you that you're committed to us far more than we're committed to you. So, Father, let us take up the call of Nehemiah and that commitment to build people, to build your church and to see the kingdom of heaven transform earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.